Hello, everyone. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Here's what we're going to do today. During the first half an hour of the show, I will finally speak about the issues I promised to talk to you about uh, already a while ago. And getting your calls during the last two shows, which I'm very happy about, but it did uh, kind of not allow me to address all those issues that I promised. So today, first, I will talk about one of the toxics, toxic or dysfunctional character traits, such as lying. And then I will talk about anorexia, someone uh, sent me an email asking me to talk about it. I don't even know if this person suffers from anorexia or someone in their family. Uh, but I will make an attempt to do to talk about it today as well. I did not forget, I will eventually get to the big subject, why bad things happen and why bad things happen to good people. But that is a, a huge subject. I'm still working on it and it will require probably a whole hour. During the second part of the show, I will welcome your uh, calls. Yes, I will have an open mic. Uh, this way, we'll do both today, discuss something new, and also I will, you will have an opportunity to call, to ask questions, and to make your comments. And uh, a reminder, uh, next Tuesday is the night of, uh, or, or the, the day, the show of night dream sharing. Uh, I think it was Nikki who gave us this idea to choose one particular day when people prepare their night dreams and call in. And we chose it to be Tuesday, last Tuesday of every month. We start as usual with the little show and tell, which of course is more a tell than show because we cannot see each other. Um, and mostly, I, during this show and tell, I just make social commentaries or things that talk about things that um, came to my attention and somehow touched me one way or another. Um, every evening after dinner, which is usually over by 6 p.m., I go for an hour walk. And during that hour, I usually listen to one of the shows either Dr. Peter Bregan Hour or Gary Knoll's Progressive Commentary or Michio Kaku's Explorations. This is the PRN shows. But I also listen to Prager University, uh, his um, fireside chat with Dennis Prager and also five-minute video casts, which are really wonderful. I have to say they're really good. To give you an idea of how popular uh, Prager University is, uh, and I think they deserve it. In 2022, PRN had 20, uh, 14 million listeners. That's all shows, and sounds like a lot, but in comparison, Prager University gets 1 million views per day. And I highly recommend that you check them out. In fact, yesterday I was listening to a short talk on the subject, why girls become boys, uh, the transgender issue. You know, that's only in 2012, uh, transgender uh, issue was identified by DSM 
that is Diagnostic and Statistical Manuals for Psychiatric Disorders, as a gender dysphoric disorder. And it afflicted one out of 10,000 people. And now, uh, statistically, the last year, 2% of girls in the United States identified themselves as uh, being in the wrong gender and uh, decide to make a transition, what they call. Anyway, these are very interesting subjects. Uh, and uh, I think Prago University has a good say about it. Another thing, I turned on TV, which I don't do so often. Uh, I listened to the news and they were speaking about illegal drugs pouring over our borders and killing our children. They, as it's done so often, spoke about the war on drugs. Uh, this phrase, war on drugs, for some reason irritated me. Uh, I heard all these ideas on the war on drugs, war on this, on that, for 41 years, really starting from when I came to the United States. And it's not getting better. I looked up the term uh, war on internet. And I found that literally what it means is it comes from old Germ Germanic word, uh, ver vor, uh, which means confusion or being in confusion. And it's truly what it is. It's, it's great confusion. And uh, the, the word term war on drugs uh, was used first in 1971 by Richard Nixon. And he said that um, it's number one public enemy, the drug addiction in the United States and allocated money to fight the war on drugs. And now in to, uh, to 2021, after 50 years of the war on drugs, it was estimated that the United States spent a cumulative cumulative uh, $1 trillion on it. And what happened? The war on drugs is not being won. By the way, the same president, Nixon, in 1970 announced the war on cancer. Then one of 20 women had breast cancer. Today, 50 years later, one of uh, six women, I believe, has breast cancer. So the wars don't work. The wars don't work. Uh, most of the time, in, in fact, uh, the, 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 the war on, on police happened in the last year. And what happened? Again, this war didn't succeed last year. Uh, homicide, crime skyrocketed. So the wars do not work. What does work? I, I think that instead of going to war, we have to learn from the experience. So to ask ourselves, what does this teach us about us, whether it's cancer or problems with police? And wars will not be won because uh, in the United States, the war on drugs is really trying to stop drugs from coming into the United States. And I believe nothing would change if no drugs would come into this country from the outside.
they would find ways to produce some kind of intoxicants uh, for the brain inside of the country. And that is uh, because, as usual, Americans are looking for the solution on the outside. I believe two things must be addressed. One, if the drugs are, are illegal. Illegal, it means it's illegal for those who sell, it's illegal for those who buy it. So there must be serious repercussions for those who use illegal drugs. And here they are called uh, an illness, a person is ill, just alcoholism. There is a disease model. No, people make a choice to use drugs for whatever reason. But then there is a price. Compared to North America or Europe, illegal drugs, drug use in Japan is absolute taboo. And there is much, much, much lower rate of using drugs. And drug users are shunned from the society. Even celebrities caught, caught uh, with drugs can suffer very serious consequences. Uh, and what happens uh, if a person is caught with drugs in Singapore? A person found guilty of the un unauthorized possession of controlled drugs, whether a person is selling or buying, can be sentenced to up to 10 years in jail. So my idea, and again, of course, nobody chooses me to be a drug czar or whatever they call it. Don't spend billions fighting a war. Spend a fraction of this money improving education in every corner of the country, teaching classes uh, that are taught maybe by former drug addicts, explaining what it is, how their life is given away to drugs. The years of life past, people don't know what happened to them. And, and then, at the same time, one is education, two, make the price of using drugs too high. That is, drug addicts, if caught with drugs, must be penalized, just as those who are selling drugs. And it's done in a number of countries, and the rate of drug addiction is much lower. Anyway, I got it off my chest. That's my commentary. That's my show and tell. And now we'll go back to the issues we spoke about. I brought, I've been speaking actually for more than a year about the six pillars of longevity, uh, of well-being, excuse me. And uh, we covered so far the fifth, five, almost all five uh, pillars and we spoke on about the fifth pillar in the, uh, covering denial, guilt, judgment, and gratitude, jealousy, worry, expectations, doubt, arrogance, uh, anger, apathy, greed. Uh, I believe approval-seeking, gossip, self-centeredness, and vanity so far. Uh, I would love to hear from you, and nobody uh, wrote to me, nobody called in telling me about the practice. I, I think, I believe it's very useful, and many of my clients actually um, read my essays on these subjects um, and find them useful. So, but I don't know if any of you, ladies and gentlemen, took upon themselves this practice um, that I inspire, uh, encourage you to do, uh, which means with every discussion, or every uh, 
toxic state or every toxic character trait that I mentioned, at the end, I give you an assignment of how to deal with it. So and if you're committed, I believe and I've experienced it. So it's not just belief. Uh, it's my knowledge, because knowledge is understanding and gained through experience. And it has been my experience that people actually transform those qualities. And I so far identified 23. And each of them is not a bad thing. You're not a bad person if you are dealing with any of them. And I have dealt with many of those 23. And some I conquered completely and some I'm halfway or two thirds of the way. So we each of us has our own unique ladder of self mastery to climb. So it's wonderful if you identify that you're dealing with with that issue. But a person may not relate to most of them and may relate to one or two. Again, practice and you will see within three weeks or maybe sometimes nine, nine weeks, um, if there are any changes. In my experience, again, it helped people make big changes. So lying. Well, from spiritual perspective, you know, the, the ninth commandment is, they shall not bear false witness. And in a literal sense, it means you don't testify against your neighbor, you don't lie saying something that is not true about the other person. But before, in a broad sense, you are your neighbor. When, when nobody is around, you are your neighbor. So don't lie to yourself as well. Lying is, has many, many roots. That is, there are different reasons why people lie. Uh, to themselves, uh, it's, it's called a denial, because it's too painful, sometimes to deal with what is. And so people uh, invent or create unconsciously, uh, often uh, problems that move them away from dealing with the real problems. That's Carl Jung in the beginning of 20th century said, Neurosis is always a substitute for legitimate suffering. That is legitimate suffering, for example, would be uh, confronting your spouse about something that is not acceptable for you, it's painful, it's difficult. But the person wants to keep peace, so to speak, you know, doesn't want to rock the boat and begins to drink instead. Uh, that's already avoiding the real problem and creating another problem, and that is alcoholism. That's already lying to yourself. Lying by some sometimes we lie not by saying which is uh, what is untrue, but withholding what is true. So one of the reasons feel people uh, lie, and later we'll talk about how to stop lying. But first, I want to identify why people are lying, it's uh, to avoid dealing with pain uh, by choosing what seems to be lesser pain. But uh, sooner or later, as Freud said, uh, when you deny something, it will come out later in more ugly ways. That's what he said. Another reason people lie is to feel better about themselves. Again, the, that's also a uh, denial, actually, because 
they deny bad feelings about themselves. They make something up rather than deep understand, trying to understand and change why do not, they do not feel good enough about themselves, that they need to make up stories. Uh, so people lie to feel superior. In truth, they deep inside, they know they're lying and feel even worse, feel fake. Actually, there is, there is a phenomenon in psychology called imposter phenomenon, which means like people pretend to be someone, but deep inside feel I'm a, I'm a fake. And always uh, often go into depression, uh, have difficulties real, uh, having relationships because they have this secret. If only they knew, if only they knew. Uh, and I heard from a number of people, I, I know somebody who uh, was courted by a wonderful man and, and uh, he admired her and uh, wanted to date her, but she chose to be with someone who was much, much less interesting, more less accomplished, because she felt if that guy will know who I really am, but she was just a good human being, young and, and uh, not so educated, but a good human being. But that was not enough. So the judgment, nobody taught her to respect herself and not to judge herself. So she judged herself as being less than. So she lied to herself and to the other person by choosing something that really didn't, where she didn't belong. So... Uh, that brings us to another reason uh, for lying. People lie uh, out of fear, lie to themselves uh, because because they don't feel good about themselves. And uh, another reason to, uh, to lie out of fear is because they want to cover their trucks, uh, which means they don't, uh, they did something and children learn this uh, to do if they're afraid of their parents, if a child did something, uh, even ate extra cookies, you know, uh, and parents say, did you eat these cookies? Would I see so many cookies are missing? And they say, no, no, I didn't do it. That's out of fear. So it, if you see your children lie, you have to question why, why are they lying? What, what is behind it? Uh, not just accusing them in lying, but but trying to understand maybe the the reason they're lying is something that you do, uh, that they're afraid of you, so they have to cover their tracks. So another reason people lie is they try to avoid conflict. Uh, so they they may say that oh no no it doesn't bother me. Something if a person says, yeah, I did something. Are you upset? No, no, I'm fine. It's okay. But deep inside, that's not okay. They cringe. And unfortunately, it happens in relationships. And the person comes up because they don't want to have conflicts, avoid conflicts. Um, they make up different stories, justify a person's behavior, lying to themselves and to the other. But slowly, it's building up. It's building up to the point where then 
when they explode or they decide suddenly to end the relationship, it's complete, complete shock to the other person. And it's not fair to the other person. So the best if you have a conflict, something you're, you're not happy about something, you just make an appointment, you say that there is something I need to talk to you, can you spare some time, you sit down, hold hands, say I want to share with you, and you don't accuse the other person, you simply say how you feel. And hopefully the other person will, uh, will listen. And the same thing if the other person shares with you, you are not to uh, shut them up because you suddenly begin to give them all the reasons why you acted and why you are right. And it doesn't mean that you are wrong. But first, if a person is sharing, you show your appreciation of that sharing. So you say, thank you for sharing. I'm sorry you're in pain. Notice I don't say I'm sorry I did something wrong because maybe, maybe you didn't. But you acknowledge that the person is sharing with you with their pain. And the next thing is what can I do to make it better? That will be always appreciated. That will allow a person not to lie, not to deny this, something that is bothering them, but to share with you. Another reason people lie is to make some kind of gain, profit. That's that uh, is linked actually this kind of lying with another problems problem that we spoke or toxic state called greed that is trying to gain something by lying and that's really if you gain something by lying you're actually stealing because it's not you're not getting it through a straight way through an honest way so uh, but we have to speak about it separately uh, and particularly if you believe in what is called in the way in the east karma karma or in, in english they say what goes around comes around right and in judaism there is a principle called midaka neget midah measure for measure when you lie to gain something, one way or another, you will see, you will lose. It's just you sometimes don't notice. You lied, you you gain something, uh, and then a year from now or t five years from now, suddenly terrible things happen, and you say, "Why? Why? I didn't do anything wrong. I wait. <laughs> it's coming back." So, the, another another reason. Uh, for lying is compulsive lying. That's, I, I met a number of compulsive liars. Excuse me, just let me have a sip of my ginger tea. So good. So, uh, compulsive lying often done is done by people who have narcissistic personality disorder or antisocial personality disorder. They need, the narcissist needs to make oneself grandiose, uh, important. They will exaggerate things, make up stories. Uh, and people with antisocial pers personality disorder, it's a new term, it used to be called psychopath. 
they lie to manipulate uh, for their for their gain. Actually, goes back to um, to get some kind of profit. They turn the world around to to prove that they are good and the world is not good. And only if the world would be better, they would be just fine. Uh, it's a it's a problem. It's a problem. And now, how do you? Oh yeah, one one more. I almost forgot. Another lying is instant gratification. Instant gratification. Ah, it's not by chance that you that uh, I forgot because I remember when I was eight or nine years old, uh, I wanted to. My father taught me playing how to play chess from the age, you know, I was five, probably. Uh, and then I can wanted to win. I, I think I was probably eight, when my father would turn around, turn around or do something, and I would steal a piece. I still don't know if he he'd caught he saw me stealing a piece. Uh, you cannot not if you play chess, you cannot not notice that the piece is missing. But my father never told me, where's this piece? No. And sometimes if I steal a piece, I would win. That was lying for still for immediate gratification. But then I resolved this problem <laughs> issue. I remember I actually remember when it happened. It was in the living room. I was walking out and I just won the game. And I remember feeling so good. I, I, I see it, God, it happened 60 years ago, and I see it clearly in my mind. I was walking out from the living room into the kitchen and going, yes, I won. And suddenly I was struck by, by this thought, who I am lying to? I know that I would lose. I know that I did not win. It's my father who thinks that I won, but I know. And I was so disappointed, I almost burst in tears. I realized that by lying before anything, I lied to myself and then pretended to be true. And that's when I believe I stopped lying. Uh, not entirely, probably, but lying like this, you know, cheating, playing chess uh, or games or whatever. Uh, but that was an incredible discovery. Uh, and finally, uh, what comes to me is the, the last reason, at least that I know, is people like to protect someone or themselves. Well, lying then is justified. If if a person is in danger, in fact, going back, we start, we start it with a spiritual explanation not to lying because it's a ninth commandment, I shall not bear false witness. Yes. But the same Bible also teaches to lie. Isn't it interesting? There are several places in the Bible where actually we are taught then when it's okay to lie. I'll give you an example. When Abraham uh, is visited by three, by three strangers, but, but who are eventually they, they um, reveal themselves as angels. Uh, and one of the angels says to Abraham, a year from now, uh, your wife, Sarah, who is 90 years old now, <laughs> will have a child. And Sarah thinks to herself, yeah, remember, thinks to herself, what? 
Abraham is so old and I will have a child. And the angel says to Abraham, why is Sarah not trusting uh, God? Isn't God capable to do anything? Why did she say that she is so old that she cannot have a child? So this is a lie. Because it's not, the angel wants to say that uh, Sarah is mistrusting in God, but doesn't want to reveal that she actually said, no, Abraham is old. But the angel says that Sarah said that she is too old. Why? And the, the sages took from it is that even God does not want, want to keep peace in the family. So in order to keep peace, because Abraham would go back to Sarah that was hiding behind, behind the uh, curtain, and he would say, ah, you call me old? What about you? No, to, to keep peace in the family, Abraham, um, the God is misrepresenting what Sarah thought. So from that we learn, and there are a few other examples where actually there is there is that clear lying and yet um, that's acceptable by the bible so we learned or for example if people were during the war people were hiding um, wounded soldiers or um, in in germany there were people in france there were people who who were fighting um, uh, hiding people from resistance and so on and of course, if, if Germans would come, uh, would come and say, uh, are there um, fighters, uh, resistance fighters, or people were hiding Jews, are there Jews around? People say, of course not, no, no how, how could we have someone? And so they were obviously lying, uh, but that is acceptable. So all other ways of lying, of course, are very unhealthy. So let me talk a little bit about how you, one can stop lying. Uh, one step, step number one is admit that you have a problem. You have to identify, realize, and maybe uh, some your spouse, your friends told you that you are lying. If you identify that you have a problem, that's already ahead of, ahead of the game, because many people uh, not. Some people lie, they don't even realize because it's so habitual. The second step, become a watcher. Identify the triggers that uh, make you lie, which means you may not lie all the time. And you may discover that when, when you feel small, you feel insecure, um, you feel inferior, you begin to boast and, and build yourself up. Uh, so all you need to do is you take one week and if you catch yourself lying, you don't persecute yourself, you don't judge yourself, you simply say, oops, here goes Peter lying. That's it. Remember, in order to disown, you need to own, you need to totally become aware, of, almost like put, put yourself in slow motion, notice when you're lying. And the more without judgment you accept, observe yourself and accept yourself lying, the sooner you will notice that you are about to lie. And eventually you will be able to say, oops, oh, I choose not to, and you will not lie. 
So this is the second step. Um, uh, then have, you know, like in Alcoholic Anonymous, Narcotic Anonymous, they have a sponsor. So share with someone uh, who who knows that you're lying and share with someone that you really want to work on this quality and give you a sign if, if you don't notice give you a sign that you are lying. Um, the next step, be realistic about what you promise to others. Make a commitment to make your word true. Your word is a law. Keep your word. Let's start by sticking to your word no matter what. Once you promise something, make it happen. Uh, talk to others about the expectations of you. Make yourself uh, transparent and practice telling the truth. Wake up in the morning with an intention. Today, I will speak the truth, only the truth, and help me God. It's a, it, 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 it takes time, particularly if you've done it habitually, particularly if you've done it for many years. So I know that it's possible to change it. And it's a big affliction. It's a, it's very, uh, it's a big turn off when people recognize that you're lying. You may not, if, if that is your issue, I'm telling you, you may not realize what a turn off it is for people, unless they're also liars. And then you don't trust them, they don't trust you, you live in the world of lies. But when you are with people who are honest, they will disappear you from their society. They will make you disappear. Because remember the law we spoke, that which is inside is outside, that which is outside, inside. So you do not belong then with a person who is honest. So one way or another, you will disappear from their life. Uh, if now, <laughs> if you have any questions, I would like you uh, to call. I see it's 2.35. Uh, feel free to call uh, to make comments about what you I'm talking about uh, regarding lying or about anything else that I spoke uh, today or any other day. Uh, this is now an open mic, please. Uh, you're welcome to call. Uh, before I don't want to start the next subject, I, I just want you to, to give you, I want to give you an opportunity to call. And you call us, and you call us, and you call us. Because if nobody is calling, I will continue talking. <laughs> no, no callers. Okay. So let me talk uh, again. You're welcome. I will. I will stop talking about. I will talk about anorexia now. But I will interrupt my talk uh, if you call um, again. Uh, you're absolutely welcome. You know, I'm very happy with when you pick up a call. Uh, and again, it's not only with comments. If you have some burning issue to discuss, uh, remember my my specialty is mind-body integrative therapy training that I do with. Uh, I do. I uh, give people at the end of training a certificate in therapeutic phenomenology. 
as phenomenon, which is as opposed to psychology. Psychology often tries to understand uh, why things happen. Uh, um, in phenomenology, we are not interested so much in understanding why, unless there are certain patterns. That's all we pay attention to, the patterns in people's lives. But we don't have theories of why things happen, because we may never know. It, a person may take years talking about uh, everyday uh, situations, vent, but remain in the same place. And we may no, never know why a person acts the way he or she does. If you believe in genetics, it may be a pattern from your ancestors. If you believe in past lives, it may be patterns from your past lives. And so what? Now you have to live your life the same way? No. Once you see something is not right, we teach you very concrete uh, tools on how to make changes. By the way, uh, before I start talking about anorexia, uh, remember a long, long time ago, it's already a year and a half ago, I was telling my listeners that I would teach a course. It's providing really whole education in therapeutic phenomenology. Um, and the course would last a year and a half. Believe it or not, a year and a half is almost finished in February. Um, no, in the end of uh, January, I am finishing the whole course. Yes, I taught the class with eight people and uh, we're finished. Uh, and people are now going to practice what they've learned, but it took them a year and a half. And it's like going, you know, people go, go to study psychoanalysis, that's a, in the school of psychoanalysis or school of Adler or school, people touch, study a cognitive behavioral approach. So, but that's when we, they learn just how to do cognitive behavioral therapy. What I teach people is how not to do work only with psychological problems, because that's a problem with modern healthcare, that uh, they split a person in, into two, one is mental problems or challenges, and one is physical body. But really, we're one organism. And that's why I always work and I teach how my students how to work with the mind and body. So whether it's a person who has um, cancer or a depression, um, we work with the whole organism, and most of the time, it's both. That, that is, a person who is depressed can develop serious physical illnesses, and a person who has a physical illness uh, either lives in a state of depression, or anxiety, or both. So, it's important to address the whole organism. I still don't see any calls, so I go now into the next subject, anorexia. Uh, it's, a, it's a serious problem in the United States. Over 30 million people suffer from anorexia. It's one of the most frequent eating disorders. Uh, it's, you know, the, the term for people who stop eating uh, some of you, ladies and gentlemen, may have children or grandchildren who deal with this problem. Anorexia has several symptoms, some of which include exhaustion, extreme weight loss, dizziness, and sleeplessness. Again, insomnia is, is a horrific, horrific affliction on its own. Uh, 
Uh, and in, in the United States, the obsession with weight, the obsession with being thin is so great that people do anything. And very often it starts with that, with concern of being overweight, even though it may be what I spoke about as denial. Uh, there might might be some other issues where a person is out of control. And this, uh, the relationship with food, at least, is the enemy they know. They know how to relate to. And in fact, they can control by eating a lot or not eating at all. Uh, and the unfortunate thing is that people always try to tailor their body to the fashion of the time, forgetting something very important. Unfortunately, you know, you know that I teach face reading, that is morphology. We have, uh, I, I gave one of the talks here on a face reading and telling that um, there are four body types. Each has it, their unique um, dietary requirements. And we come into this world with having body type. That's our journey. We come into this world to travel a journey in a certain body. And if you try to fit into somebody else's body, meaning, for example, if you came what we call lymphatic, usually these people uh, are larger than an average person, uh, have some 15 to 20 pounds over what by um, by the standards of, of fashions of today people are. So that's, that's a lymphatic temperament. They need to be 20 pounds overweight, and yet they don't feel good about themselves because all they see um, in commercials and through the media, all these skinny people. So they begin to uh, starve themselves and some become anorexic and some lose weight and then once they go back to the normal eating become overweight because uh, their body while they're starving goes in what is called metabolic stall and uh, they begin to save calories remember you your uni as long as you eat a healthy and nutritional diet you need to only compare yourself to yourself not to anybody else if you feel physically well, you're in the right, at the right weight in the right body. A lot of people tell me, oh, I need to lose weight. And I say, why? Oh, because I feel so much better when I'm thinner. And my question is always, you feel emotionally better or physically? If a person says physically, it's easier for me to breathe, to move, then it's fine. Maybe you need to lose a few pounds. But if you feel emotionally better, that may, may be simply because you are hypnotized by the society that you must be skinnier. And you're trying to force your body to, to become something that you are not. So here are the symptoms uh, of anorexia, the physical signs. Um, the, it's really related to, uh, to starvation. Um, but anorexia also includes emotional behavioral issues, uh, like demanding yourself, expecting yourself to be a certain way. 
uh, in the beginning, if you if this is not your problem, it may be difficult to notice signs of and symptoms of anorexia uh, if it's one of your relatives, uh, because people are sometimes when they're becoming anorexic, they begin to eat less. They they don't want other people to know, and sometimes they don't themselves even don't know. They just don't feel hungry, uh, but that's unconsciously they already made this. Um, decision, it's too much. And, and they, but you will notice that they, they uh, feel they, they look tired, uh, they look emaciated, uh, they don't sleep well, they're dizzy. Uh, and then if, if anorexia continues, they begin to lose their hair is thin, thinning. Um, women uh, begin to have disturbed menstru menstrual cycles, so menstruation disappears completely. Uh, constipation, the skin becomes kind of yellowish, uh, cold extremities, uh, low blood pressure. Uh, often it goes with dehydration, people stop drinking water. So, uh, and remember, this is such a serious problem that people. Uh, some people died uh, if they were not hospitalized. When people are hospitalized, they don't want to eat, that they're put on intravenous um, nourishment, uh, at least liquids provided so they wouldn't die. But some people die, so it's, it's not it's a very serious problem. Uh, some people uh, with anorexia binge, stop their face and purge. Uh, similar to individuals who have what is called bulimia. That's people who only eat. They do eat, but they throw up. They make themselves vomit. And that's also very unhealthy because they, they really don't allow the nutrients to go inside of the body. So they, they are undernourished. So... Um, what what can be done what what do you do if first thing a person needs to to see a doctor um, and to be evaluated how in what state they're in and if you're a parent or a grandparent you have to tell them that people die from this and and they need help most of the time people with serious anorexia if you see a person is, let's say, who is supposed to be 120 pounds is like 90 pounds. That's already a serious problem. Uh, again, why people become anorexic? Uh, pe people who are by nature are perfectionists often become anorexic because they, they don't have that perfect body uh, that they want. But I when people smile and say, oh, I'm a perfectionist, I need to have things done perfectly, I say then it's it's unhealthy, there is nothing enviable about it. Nobody is perfect. You need to do the best you can and let go. You only can do the best you can. But you cannot, I, but a perfectionist is a person, no matter how well they do, um, it's not enough. So they need special training to accept life, to accept what is. 
if you know somebody who is a perfectionist or who is uh, trying to have a perfect body, you need to uh, encourage them by telling them that actually in this Western spiritual tradition, only God is perfect. In fact, we are encouraged when you build a house, uh, you must not put few nails, final few nails in. Why? Because you accept that only God is perfect. So don't, don't push it. Don't try uh, to, in fact, one of the assignments that I give to people is uh, deliberately, just as I, you know, I have this WIT, W-I-T, Will Integration Training, and I ask people to, one of the assignments is to do something perfectly. But with people who are perfectionists, I want them to do every day one assignment to do the best they can, but 95%. And even if they try to do 100 to destroy that perfection, to leave something undone, to leave something unfinished. That's super important. So that they learn that even though something is not perfect, um, they're still alive. They survive. Nothing terrible will happen. So what, what needs to be done when a person is a perfectionist or a person is, yeah, is uh, anorexic? Company. You need to spend time with them. Once, if particularly if they identify uh, themselves as anorexic, or you become aware of it, uh, and particularly if uh, doctors are involved, what people need is attention. Most of the time, I think that uh, Jordan Peterson said beautifully, most people are not mentally ill. They're just overwhelmed by dealing with the complexities of life. So, and I agree with him, and I think uh, anorexia is one of the escapes from dealing with the complexity of life. That is, imagine a person is starving, so it becomes a problem on its own. So then you don't have to deal with other issues. And very often, when people have deep connection with other people, it's much easier to bear whatever difficulties they face. Um, it just occurred to me, by the way, maybe I didn't give you my te our telephone number here. You can call, still call, we have 10 minutes, 888-874-4888. Uh, you can call, and, um, or, or if you uh, don't have a chance to call today, you can email me again. You can email me with your questions or comments, comments about what we did today uh, or what you would like me to discuss in the future, during the future shows. It's drpeterresnik at gmail.com, d-r-p-e-t-e-r -E -E uh, at gmail.com. Um, a little more on, on anorexia. Um, 
I have not seen people whose life is very meaningful, who are dealing with problems like anorexia or depression. I've seen people whose lives are meaningful and they suffer from anxiety. And anxiety most of the time is not, how to say, it's a byproduct. Anxiety is not a pri primary feeling. It's a consequence of judgment. So I've seen people who have a lot of meaning in their life. They're excited. They do something good for the world or they have just uh, personal goals for their personal interests. But they, they're anxious because they're judgmental of themselves or of others and think that others will judge them. So this I have seen. But I don't remember seeing somebody who is depressed and has a lot of meaning in life. Uh, so everything, the same thing with anorexia. Uh, I have not seen a person who is anorexic and is inspired and involved in something very meaningful. Most of the time, they feel lonely and they feel out of control. And uh, very often it, it starts within the family. Um, sometimes there is pressure for them to be skinny. Sometimes comments coming from parents. For one reason or another, they, they feel disconnected from their community, from their family. And they feel out of control. So the one thing that they can control is what, what they eat. And at times it's uh, their punishment of people who made them feel out of control. And here they're in control and literally they're dying, they're fading away. Remember, a food is nourishment. And that, remember, we all, I always speak about that which is inside is outside, that which is outside is inside. So if a person is anorexic, it means they are choosing to not to nourish themselves physically. And that means that they're not nourished emotionally. They're not nourished and they're not nourishing themselves. They don't know how to nourish themselves. So they choose, they choose to manifest it only in the physical. So if you can help them, support them, and help them to to receive nourishment from the environment, whether it's by having personal goals or having personal connections, uh, then, then there is no need to manifest in the physical world that lack of nourishment. And as they begin to get nourishment inside, emotionally, they will have the need to nourish themselves physically. So that's, that's how you address um, anorexia. But it is, I have to say, it is a very, very difficult problem to work with. Uh, and I worked with a number of people with, with anorexia, and it took not months. Usually, it doesn't take me a long, long time to work with people. Uh, but with anorexia, um, it's, once a person begins to go downhill, it's almost like they're, they're addicted. Um, like with bulimia, in fact, one of the reasons people cannot stop throwing up 
is because when when they throw up the contraction itself when they vomit actually the body produces endorphins and it's a high so i don't know i i fasted the longest only one one week in fact six days i don't feel i don't remember being high uh, it's just i felt tired um a little bit disoriented but not high but uh, what i what i heard from people who are who were anorexic they told me that they felt this euphoria uh, but they were eating but eating very very little and again you need to develop with an with an anorexic a very close relationship you need to have their trust so then you can become their guide and their inspiration and of, again the second thing is to inspire them to look for meaning meaning is a savior meaning is foundation of our life when a person lives a meaningful life it's maybe uh, uh, really a choice between life and death meaning or lack of meaning anyway that's all for um, anorexia today we'll continue our talk next week I will talk um, about some other issues or well, hopefully I will talk about why people good people uh, suffer and why bad things happen in the world hopefully I will prepare by then and please do feel free again to send me an email with your questions and comments and for now I want to thank you all for being part of this show uh, and I wish you a wonderful week I'm looking forward to having your attention next week is to all who want to live in peace